Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we're back. Welcome. We're doing it. We're here. How are we doing, everybody? So grateful to have you here. If you're new, welcome to U of A. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Woo! I'm excited to be here, guys. Our next guest, she seemed like she had it all, but in the inside, she felt broken, defective, frustrated, and complete failure. As a doctor... She was giving out advice to patients for their health problems when she couldn't even solve her own. Her life took a big turn when she met a previous patient of hers that turned the natural medicine to heal her sickness. And I've heard about this before as well, not just in this case, where people have, have gotten tired of the regular medical system and gone on to you know go to functional or naturopath. So you guys are going to love this. Our next guest name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. She started her own journey on health when she began to learn function med- functional medicine first by running her own hormone and thyroid panels at home. It wasn't long before people from all over the country wanted to work with her and she decided to take her practice to the web so she could work with patients virtually in a way that was convenient for them, which is awesome. And that's the beautiful thing about technology, everybody. That is when her brilliant health was born. We had a great conversation uh, Kieran and I talked about the right and the wrong and things w- within the medical system. There's obviously a place and there are positive things about it. If you get injured or you got to get surgery, that kind of stuff. But as far as preventative nutrition and health in that way, I think we're, we're behind. We had a great conversation. I hope you guys get a lot of value from this. So sit back, relax. Kieran Dunstan coming right up. Kieran, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. So glad to be here, Lance. <laughs> You got the nice cozy setting there. You got the dog. You probably got a yes. fireplace nearby. <laughs> well, because I know it's like you put people on the couch. So I'm, I said I'd start on the couch. So I'm ready. I'm ready to divulge all my secrets. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. This, is, this is an interesting topic because there is a lot of changes happening in our world now with, you know, um, conventional medicine and functional and just like people's different opinions and things have changed. And it's just, it's crazy. Cause so even in my, my journey through health and wellness, things have changed so many times. And, you know, since mm-hmm. I was in sports and, and what I was told one day was this, and then I was told another day was that. So it's, it's fascinating that, you know, this whole world. So I'm just curious a little bit first, like to hear a bit about your background and, you know, how did you get on the the path to becoming a doctor in the first place? Great question. So it's actually something I, I always wanted to do. My mom has a picture of me when I was, I don't know, four or five years old, listening to my stuffed animal with a stethoscope. I guess I had one of those little doctor kits. It was my prized possession. Yeah. Um, I I had an incident actually when I was four, you know, I didn't realize this as I was going through it. I knew I kind of always wanted to be a doctor, but now that I've been an adult, I've looked back at my life and I had an incident where I was four and I broke my leg 
and I was hospitalized. Back then they used to hospitalize people with broken legs for two days. And um, that was somewhat of a traumatic experience for me. And I, I've had memories of it recently where I realized that I felt so powerless as a four-year-old in this huge hospital by myself. And so I saw that the physicians in the hospital had a lot of power. And so I can't help but think that that had something to do with it. I also was fascinated uh, you know, when I was in the hospital, one of the ways that I entertained and soothed myself was by watching the physicians mm. and seeing how they interacted and how they really had the power to help people. Mm. And um, so I can't help but think that that had something to do with it. Although I do have doctors in my family. Uh, my great grandfather actually was one of the first African Americans to graduate from Jefferson Medical College, where I graduated from med school. Wow. His one of his brothers was a physician. Um, my grandmother was a pharmacist. My other grandmother was a nurse. So we had lots of medical people, mm. uh, and it was something that I just always wanted to do. I always was fascinated with science and how things work. I loved math. I was good at science and math. I went to a specialized science high school. And so it just, it was just kind of a perfect fit of my skills and interests. Mm. So, okay. When, when did you become a doctor? Let's just for timeline purposes, just to kind of know, you know, when did a long that... time ago. <laughs> oh, come on. Not that yeah, long. Ago. I, let's see. I graduated medical school in 1992. Okay. And uh, finished my residency in 1996. Okay, perfect. So I've been practicing physicians since 96. Okay, so the world was a lot different. It's, it's crazy when you hear like 1996. It still doesn't <laughs> feel like that long ago. Because I remember it clearly. I was, you know, 13 years old, 12, 13. And it, it's, you hear that and you're like, wow, that was so long ago. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, I was born in the 60s. So that was yeah. really long ago. And just the way the world has changed. Yeah. So many industries have changed. You know, how much has medicine changed in all those decades? Not so much, if you ask me. I mean, it's still optional for doctors to use electronic health records. Um, I think we peaked on the insurance-based private payer model. Uh, and that, I think, is just proving that it's too exorbitant and doesn't really give people the best care. So hopefully is on its way out. Mm. Um, you know, we have some new technologies, but still we're really functioning on a disease-based medical management model, and we're losing the war when it comes to treating chronic disease. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know that for the price we're paying for what we're getting, that it's, it's really uh, in the best interests of most people. Um, and I think it's time that we're broadening out, and that's the type of medicine I practice, to legitimizing holistic and integrative and functional medicine, which it, I completed a fellowship in it, mm. um, and really going back to teaching people lifestyle, because that's where it all starts, and teaching people about gut health and hormone balance and things that they can do on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, if there was proper education of people, I think there should be education about health in grade school for people. Uh, and people learned how to care for their bodies and how to eat. Um, then we wouldn't really have the chronic disease crisis that we're having now. 
It's so true. So, okay. Timeline. When, when did things start to shift and change? Like, okay, so you got out of med school, you, you know, you're, you're practicing what you were taught, what you think is the right way because you went through all that school. Yeah. And I think, I mean, most doctors, of course, they're going to be, they're going to be biased to that, which is, which is totally normal. You know, mm-hmm. when, when did that start to shift? Like, when did you start to go, Oh, wait a minute. This, this may not be, or you started to get a feeling that what you were, what you were telling people wasn't the right thing. You know, like right. when, when did that start to happen? Well, well, it's interesting and I have to backtrack. So I grew up in New York city and my mom was best friends with Gary Null, who's written, I don't know how many New York Times bestsellers. He owned a health food store. He's a big proponent of natural health. Okay. She made her own yogurt. When my sister and I would get sick, she'd give us golden seal and echinacea and make, make us sweat out fevers. We thought she was crazy. Uh, and so then I went to medical school. I came back and I literally said to my mother, she tried to tell me something about, well, you can do golden seal, such and such. And I said, mother, we heal with seal. So I bought into the whole uh, disease model, drugs and surgery fully. Mm. I start practicing. I'm delivering babies and doing hysterectomies and giving birth control pills and doing all the things that gynecologists do. And then after a few years, all of a sudden I weigh 243 pounds. I have chronic fatigue and all I can do is work and sleep. My hair's falling out. I look 20 years older than I am. I have pain all over my body all the time, something called fibromyalgia. Um, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I'm just, I'm a mess really. And I'm going to my office and I'm treating these patients and I'm noticing that I'm sick and they're sick and they're not really getting better, right? So if a woman comes to me and says she's having pelvic pain and period problems, standard of care for gynecologists is take a birth control pill, right? Give them a birth control pill. That one doesn't work. You try it for three months. You give them a different one. That one doesn't work. Then the next is you do a laparoscopy. You do surgery to look inside. You do surgery. You may or may not see endometriosis or something else. But generally, at some point, they're going to end up having an ovary or a tube out. And then eventually, as they go down this standard of care, they're going to end up with a hysterectomy. And in fact, a lot of women have come to expect it. They'll say, oh, my mother had a hysterectomy at my age. Her mother had a hysterectomy at my age. I must meet. It must be time for my hysterectomy is what oh, they would wow. say. Wow. And what I would notice is even though we were treating the symptom, right? So if they had pelvic pain or abnormal bleeding and the pill might control that and the hysterectomy would t- get rid of that, they never got healthy, right? If they were overweight and tired and depressed, when they came into my office, none of that ever went away. So overall, their health never improved, even though you got rid of the offending organ and that symptom drop went away. Mm. And I had several patients like this who would go through and, and I realized like, I'm not promoting health in my patients. If I were helping them get healthy, they should be getting globally healthy. And then I looked at myself. And I say, I can't even fix myself. I would run tests on myself and they'd all come back, quote unquote, normal. Thyroid, I don't know how many times I checked it, normal, right? 
all the tests that I knew to run would come back normal. I would go to my physician. She'd run tests. They'd come back normal. I kept going to her. I'd say, there's something wrong. I sleep all the time. I hurt all over. My hair is falling out. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm obese. And finally, she just said, listen, Kieran, your labs are fine. They're all normal. There's nothing wrong. And I left there and I just thought, oh my God, I just must be crazy. Because here I am, I'm supposed to know all there is to know about women's health. I'm board certified OBGYN. My internist is board certified internist. All my tests are quote unquote normal. And I'm miserable and feel like I'm going to die. And I actually wish I would die. There were some points I was like, if this is what life is going to be, I really don't want to live it. Hmm. Um, and that's when I started questioning. And I remember talking to colleagues and I would say, are we really helping our patients? Because I don't see them getting healthy. Um, and they thought I was crazy. So I stopped talking to them about it. Hmm. And I kind of just retreated into this resignation that I was going to be sick and my patients were just going to be sick. Um, and then one day, uh, one of my patients who had been suffering with all the same middle-aged female problems that most middle-aged women have, right? We can't sleep or we sleep too much or we're tired all the time. We have some disordered energy levels in sleep, mm -hmm. overweight, heavy, painful periods, depression, anxiety, no sex drive, right? These are kind of standard middle-aged female things. Um, I had been working with her with the birth control pills and the standard things we do, antidepressants, sleep medicines, wasn't working. She went away. She came back a year later and I saw her down at the end of the hallway and I couldn't believe, I know it was her, but she didn't look the same. And I ran up to her and I said, what have you been doing? Cause you look amazing, right? She had lost weight. She just had this glow in her skin. She looked fabulous. So she said that she had learned about this thing called functional medicine and she had gone and seen this doctor in another city that she read about and she had been working with them and they had been doing these bioidentical hormones and I doing special tests that regular doctors don't do and found all these problems and I was fascinated. So I had to learn everything I could about what is this I never heard of functional medicine. And I just became a sponge and I started reading and going to conferences and learning and I would learn about a special test and then I would do it on myself. And then I'd find, oh, even though I had checked my thyroid at least 10 times and it was quote unquote normal, when I did the right test, which is about eight different tests, and I read them not to see if I had a disease because I didn't have a thyroid disease but I did not have optimal thyroid function, and that's the difference, right? Mm. So your regular doctor's gonna check you for a disease, but they really don't care if you don't have a disease, is your function optimal? So mine was not. And then, oh, I didn't know about hormone testing because hormone testing is not standard of care, right? We check everything else in medicine, crazy. but there's that's no crazy. standard to check hormones. So I learned about that. And so I did that on myself. I had progesterone deficiency and I had estrogen dominance. And then I learned about food sensitivity testing and I did food sensitivity testing and I was 
sensitive to probably half of the foods I was eating, gluten and dairy for sure, but then peaches, blueberries, cauliflower, almonds, which I ate every day. Who knew? Mm, which are and creating then I inflammation did, for you. It's just constant Right, inflammation. inflammation. So I did all these tests that I didn't know about, even though I was supposed to know about more about women's health than anybody else. I didn't know about any of this stuff. Wow. So I started doing it and just addressing these problems using, using vitamins, minerals, herbs, lifestyle change, so dietary change. People always say, oh, I bet you exercise. I couldn't exercise at first. I was so tired. I had what's called a flatline adrenal. So your cortisol levels, you can check those, your stress hormone. And I had a flat line, like meaning you're alive, but just barely. And so you don't really have energy for anything else. So I couldn't exercise. So that wasn't a part of my initial program. It is now. Um, and then my health just started transforming. And I started losing weight and getting energy and stopped hurting. And my hair started growing back. And, you know, the whole journey was probably two years of me um, doing different supplements and changing everything, everything. Mm -hmm. um, but after that, I lost a hundred pounds. Wow, good for you. And then I started uh, enrolled in a fellowship in, in functional medicine because my patients also who were middle-aged women with the same problems started say, seeing me and saying, what are you doing? Cause mm -hmm. you look amazing. We want that. Right. So I started doing it with them and they started having the same results. And then after a couple of years, um, I just ended up closing my OBGYN practice because what I was doing is I ended up having two practices and a few days a week I did the OBGYN and the other days I did functional medicine. But what I was telling all my regular GYN patients is, well, you've got fibroids, but that means you have a hormone imbalance. And my uh, board certification says, I need to give you this birth control pill and we need to do all these other things, but you don't want that. <laughs> Yeah. What you want is you want to come see me on the Monday and Wednesday in my other practice and we're going to do salivary hormone testing and we're going to diagnose what are your hormone imbalances and then we're going to balance your hormone levels naturally hmm. and we're going to help your fibroids not because we're cutting them out or lasering them or freezing them, but because we're changing your whole body chemistry so that they're no longer stimulated so then they start shrinking. And of course, everyone's like, I want that. So they were all coming on Monday and Wednesday to my functional practice. And then I just finally said, I'm just not in integrity even having the other practice. So 2011, I closed it. And so wow. this is what I've done full time. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing, but you know when you when you talk about it like that, it seems crazy that there's any other way but not doing that. You know, like figuring out. Where are you at? First of all, you know, are you, is your body toxic? Are you inflamed? What's causing that? Are your, you know, your hormones are out of whack. Do you have energy? There's so many things you need to find out before you can even make progress, right? Before you can even right. figure out what well, to fix. You know, it's interesting before, um, germ theory and DNA. So go back several hundred years. Our, health was thought to be if you were out of in ill health that meant your humors were imbalanced right there was an imbalance in your body based on your lifestyle right you had gotten too much cold or you hadn't eaten the right foods and and to restore health it really was aimed at 
balancing your body what's out of balance in your body that needs to be fixed and that's was the view of medicine and that's really you know the father of medicine in greece escapius and hippocrates and all of these guys that's what health was based on really mm. um and disease only was a symptom that your body was imbalanced but then fast forward several hundred years we've got germ theory and we discover that there are things called bacteria and then oh my gosh they're making us sick yeah right <laughs> so now it's an external agent and it's the enemy that's yeah. the problem yeah. And then here comes DNA theory, right? Then our health is determined by our DNA. So one, it's out of our control, genetic determinism. And two, it's out of our control because it's due to these bacteria. And so we really have shifted to this paradigm of that our health is out of our control and that it happens to us. And, and our medical system has really mirrored this whole societal paradigm shift in we treat disease we don't treat people mm. and the problem is that the bacteria only can cause us a problem when we're out of balance right <laughs> and so we're forgetting the fact that if someone is diseased or in poor health it means that their body systems are out of balance we are not determined, our health is not determined by our genes. It's determined by our lifestyle and what genes get turned on or turned off. It's determined by epigenetics because yeah. otherwise everyone who has the BRCA gene, the breast cancer gene would get breast cancer, but they of don't. Course. Right. Yeah. So Bruce, only Bruce 70%. Lipton. Right. Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton. Oh, he's amazing. Isn't he yeah. amazing? I, so only, I, yeah. I love Go ahead. that. I love that. You know, because yeah. it, it's, it is. It's your environment. It's your lifestyle that can change these things. You know? So the physicians, we need to get back to treating people, not disease. Mm. And when we treat people, we have to look at, are they functioning optimally, right? So we can't go by what quote unquote normal is because that's defined by what 95% of the population is. Well, the large majority of the population is overweight or obese and unhealthy. So we don't want to compare to that. And we don't just want to know, do you have a disease? We want to know where, it's like your kid going to school, right? Mm. If your kid goes to school and they just have a pass-fail grading system, it's not entirely useful, is it, no. right? <laughs> when they go to apply to college, how does the college really know how smart they are and how well they're going to do in that college with different subjects? They don't. Mm -hmm. And so our health system is kind of like that. Either you have a thyroid disease or you don't. Either you have diabetes or you don't, right? It's, there's no gradation of what is your function. Like if you could scale it one to 10, right? Mm -hmm. In the labs that we do. And so there's really this ignoring of abnormal if it's in the bell curve, quote unquote, normal range, and we're not going to do anything about it till you have a disease. But the problem is there are millions of people walking around who have disordered glucose control, right? Whether it's pre-diabetic or insulin resistance, they're not handling sugar properly, who are at increased risk for diabetes 
and they're getting fasting blood work at their doctor and their fasting glucose might be 99 and they're being told it's normal and nobody's raising the red flag and going that is not normal right mm. and you're at risk for diabetes and not only that you don't have to have a diagnosis diagnosis of diabetes for you to be starting to have inflammation because you have too much sugar in your body mm. and you need to do something now right they're just like oh we'll check it next year oh we'll check it next year and then after a few years of that patient goes in and then they go oh my god now you have diabetes yeah and then and you're going to have it the rest of your life and you need to take this medication none of which is true you can completely reverse diabetes if you're not past a certain point yeah. right if you're completely insulin dependent then you're probably not reversible because that means all your beta islet cells in the pancreas are gone but if you are just on oral hypoglycemic agents it, it takes a while for the disease to set in right so those signs that people ignore like it doesn't just hit you like overnight it right. it, it takes a while so people you know you have to pay attention to those things it's telling you stuff and the most common symptoms i see with people who are lean are progressing towards diabetes is they are tired that is the number one symptom. And so I say, if you're tired, everyone thinks it's thyroid and it might be, it might be cortisol, your stress hormone, but I can't tell you how many times someone's just, they're so tired and I check their, them and they are progressing toward, towards diabetes. I call it the road to diabetes. You don't just wake up one day and no. all of a sudden, like you're hit by a truck and you have diabetes. No. You were moving towards diabetes for five, 10, 20 or more years. They're now seeing changes in grade school children mm. that portend diabetes. It's like that with cancer and stuff too though, right? Like, I mean, that stuff takes a while. It's not like it just, you just right. get it overnight. Yeah, people are so afraid of cancer as if it's something that comes that you have no control over, and that's just not true, yeah. right? So cancer, what everyone needs to understand is cancer is a failure of your immune system, almost like every other disease. Mm. So your immune system protects you against uh, infectious disease, right, bacteria, viruses, but it also protects you against cancer every day while your cells are doing doing their do what they do you know multiplying dividing they make mistakes that could become cancer but your immune system comes behind and fixes it so you don't get cancer so um, your immune system is the break on cancer so your break has to be broken to get cancer so number one is why is your immune system broken and two what's the accelerator causing the cancer and that's inflammation like we were talking about that's too much glucose in your blood right so if you have too much glucose or sugar it attaches to all your cells it damages them and causes inflammation which i like people to think about that like rust because mm. then they get a picture okay so if you've got too much inflammation in your body that is causing your cells functions and your DNA to become abnormal. So what causes inflammation? Too much sugar, inflammatory foods that you eat, gluten, hugely inflammatory, cow's milk dairy, hugely inflammatory, pesticides, heavy metals in the environment, all the toxins that we come in contact with in our cleaning products, our furnishings, 
in our cosmetics, in our plugins that we use, and our air freshener. So we're inundated with toxins, and this causes inflammation. So that's the accelerator on cancer, causing DNA damage. Mm -hmm. And then your brake is broken, your immune system, and that's why you get cancer. So it's not like you you wake up one day and out of nowhere you have cancer because your father had cancer. It doesn't work like that. There's like a 10% um, genetic contribution. So you have the predisposition, but that means that 90% chance you won't get it. Yeah. So um, we're, we're really just need to change our paradigm about health. Well, I think, you know, it comes, people don't want to accept that though. Like they don't want to accept that they have control of, of their body. They want to think, Oh, I don't have control. It could just hit me one day and that's it. We're done. You know, cause it kind of gives them a way out of not having to be accountable. I mean, my dad got cancer by the time they, he, they found it, there was no time, but he, he must, there must've been things going on that he knew weren't right leading up to that. You know, like there was, and the doctors didn't see it. Doctors didn't, couldn't see it. He had pancreatic cancer, but you know, I don't know his body, but I know that, you know, there's things, there's signs, your body's talking to you, right? There's things happening, like choices and, 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 and and like you said, so much sugar, you know, these people are eating way too, too, way too much, not just sugar, but way too many, like, you know, complex carbs and just spiking Mm -hmm. their insulin levels like crazy all the time. It's just like, it's craziness out there. How much everything you buy, you, you, if you don't look at the labels, it's just full of this crap. It's it is, like, you know, I just got a little gift bag from my neighborhood uh, health food store because they're switching owners. And so I look in there and see what's in there. And they've got these two little packs of instant coffee. And one says the only alkaline instant coffee. Okay. So I look, always look at the ingredients first. And it's like, Corn syrup. Oh, <laughs> drives me nuts. And I don't even think they realize this. But back to what you were saying about the cancer, I think that, you know, there's so much out there now that, that your lifestyle does contribute to your health. That if you don't really admit that or realize it, it's almost a form of willed ignorance. And I think that it people don't want to take responsibility because then it means they have to do something different yeah. and people are uncomfortable with change. And especially when it comes to changing their lifestyle habits and particularly what they eat. I mean, I work with highly motivated people and it is the hardest thing for people to change. It's easier to change your religion than to change what you eat. Um, and so I think for the average person who really doesn't want to take a look at it because they don't want to do what they know they're going to have to do. But I also think that we have been trained against being in touch with our bodies. You know, our bodies are really like our subconscious minds and they do speak to us all the time, but, but we're taught to kind of live from the neck up in our heads, in our conscious minds. And, and um, it's all about the intellect and power. And I think a lot of us are cut off from our bodies and we don't hear it. I know that when I weighed 243 pounds, you know, part of the weight, part of the job of the weight, because you have to ask yourself when you have a health problem, what's the meaning here? It has some meaning for you or it wouldn't be there was that it was to shut down the unconscious because I didn't want to hear what it had to say. And so it's a way of 
cutting yourself off from who you truly are because you don't want to hear, you know, just like people don't want to do what they're going to have to do to change their diet. A lot of times you don't want to hear what your body's telling you about what you've been through or the feelings you haven't felt that you don't want to feel. And so having that weight was a way that I could just shut that down. Mm. Um, and so I think that we're kind of, most of us are taught to disconnect. Plus, you know, I talk to people who will be acutely ill and they want to go to the doctor for the doctor to cure them. Doctor, tell me what I need to do. Give me a drug. Give me an antibiotic. Instead of going inside and asking your body, most people know, like animals know when they're sick. What do they do? They go lay down in a corner and sleep. They don't eat. They might drink some water, but they don't want to play. And they just go into themselves and rest. But we don't go inside and listen. We, we want to take a pill and keep going to work. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that we're taught so not to listen to our bodies. Crazy. So. It's craziness. So, okay, would you say that the most important thing wouldn't – this is my perspective is – to not as much change a lot of like a lot of people's diets, but it's taking away a lot of the crap that they eat. Right. A lot of times it's like, if you just eliminate a lot of the stuff that you're eating, you know, the crap and just have real foods, that's a massive change. People get so overwhelmed. Like, well, I have to do all this crazy stuff. I have to, but it's like, no, you just take away the crap for a while. Like, you know, and add in a little bit more real food. That's not in a package, you know? It, it can be very simple. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time people come to work with someone like me, I usually say that their health is like a pendulum, right? Yeah. And it's swinging back and forth. You never stay at the center. You're always swinging back and forth. When your health has really gotten out of control, your pendulum has swung all the way over here. Mm. So to get back to center in a reasonable amount of time, you do have to be equally in, as extreme in the other direction. So you can be that extreme. So by the time they get to me, we do go extreme to get them back to here. Mm. Otherwise it would take forever. Right. But if someone's listening and they just want to take small steps, the number one thing people could do is stop drinking all the junk that we drink yeah. and just drink water. Right. Stop drinking the sodas, the iced tea, the sweet teas, the lattes with all the sugar. Um, just, just drink water. If you made that one change, you would notice significant improvements in your health. And then if you get to a certain place and you still want to do more, the next thing you could do is eliminate bread, pasta, white rice, white potatoes, right? Those fast carbs. Yeah. And people will get drastic change and then start replacing it with, like you said, some whole foods, mm. eat some kale, eat some yeah. spinach, you yeah. know, it doesn't yeah. have to be that, that bad. Well, and each body's, everybody's different too, right? Everybody's, right. sometimes we get caught up in this, every, every, everybody's got to eat the same and it's just not something, some people will do better on more carbs, some less, mm -hmm. but you got to test these things. You got to, Chances are, if you're not feeling good and you're way overweight, there's a lot of choices that you could be making better. You could be cutting out a lot of that stuff, you know? Right. But 
what a lot of people don't realize is they start blaming themselves and saying they have no willpower, right? Right. But I've been there. And what I know is that your hormones can be so out of balance that they are forcing you to crave and eat sugar. Yeah, that's true. Because it's your body's way of medicating itself because it's not getting the healthy support that it needs to balance your hormones. Yeah. And so you eating sugar is a way that it can temporarily get some balance. Yeah. It ends up making it worse in the end, but your body is like, I got to survive. Give me some sugar. So if you're listening and that's you and you've been craving sugar and craving carbs and, and, and caving into that craving because it's a biologic urge. Don't beat yourself up. Get yourself help to get your hormones evaluated properly and balanced properly. And what you'll find is this happened for me. It happens for my clients. The cravings go away yeah. when you balance your hormones. You know what else I've noticed a lot too is the, the weird cravings that come when you have different oils and you go out and eat i'll start create i'll have something that's why i stay away from all that junk or or vegetable oil and all that stuff yeah weird cravings and i get like extra hungry and i need this thing and it's like it's i'm like what like i didn't feel like that before now because i ate that i want to eat this and i want sugar and i before i want to drink and i'm like going crazy i'm like what is going on right now that's what it's designed these cravings are just crazy. And then, you know, say I go and I do like a fast, you know, I cut all the sugar out. I go into like a ketogenic state, you know, and then I'm like, I don't crave any of that stuff. It's amazing how you can shift, you know, it's, it's fascinating. How about, how about talking about the, the side of this stuff, like the mental side of the game of like, of, of the whole holistic approach and how important is that? Because you could eat all the healthy food in the world, but if you're not if you're not okay, if you're not relaxed, I mean, what, how does that contribute to the whole puzzle? Right. So that's huge. So it, it's interesting that you asked that, Lance. So I'm going to back up a little bit. But um, when I first started doing this type of work with patients, um, I realized after a couple years that they fall into three categories. One category, these people would take the tools that I would give them, They would change their lifestyle, do the supplements. They totally get the paradigm of treating the root cause. They would lose weight, get their energy back, heal their disease, and they would never look back and their lives have been changed forever. Another third could never seem to really get treating the root cause. They're still kind of one foot stuck in the drugs and surgery treating disease category. They would do it, but they couldn't really get it, right? And so they never really got the results. And then there was the middle third who really understood it and got the paradigm, and they would do the work, and they would get amazing results, and then they would backslide and stop doing it. Mm. And I started asking myself, why is there a group that gets amazing results, they know this works, and then they don't do it? And why can't these people fully pick it up? And what I realized, I had this epiphany, is that um, I had had an experience happen that preceded me discovering functional medicine and using the tools 
and successfully healing myself. So back up several years before when I was so really miserable, um, and I, would, I, I also felt overworked. I worked all the time. I was the breadwinner for my house. My um, ex-husband didn't work. He was the, the primary caregiver for the kids. And I just felt overwhelmed uh, by all my responsibilities. And I would have these breakdowns every month where I'd just start crying and screaming, like, when do I get a break? When do I get a freaking break, you know? And this went on for a couple years. And then one day I got a chance to go horseback riding and I was riding the horse and the horse started bucking. And after about the third time I was holding on. And then at the third time I couldn't hold on anymore. I went flying through the air and fell down on the ground and my foot hit the ground. And I knew that the minute my foot hit the ground, that my foot was broken. And I knew it was broken because I had been screaming about, when do I get a break? <sighs> and in that moment, I had this realization that there's some power out there that's way bigger than me that controls things. I always thought, you know, I wasn't raised in a religious home. And I mean, God was like some Santa Claus that didn't really have a relationship with me. And so I knew that, and I all of a sudden had this awakening that, oh my God, there is a power. Yeah. And I spoke this into that power. So anyway, that was my spiritual awakening or the beginning of it. And I started um, reading and meditating and praying and doing all these things and really having a spiritual life. And what I realized why these people couldn't stick with the program is because they didn't have that peace. And that my, it wasn't that I just picked up functional medicine, right? The universal forces had to be right for someone to bring it to me, for me to be ready to attract it, and for me to be open to receive it. I had to be in a mental, emotional space mm. to receive that. And that's what I realized is that they didn't have this mental, emotional. So back to your original question, that's when I started, I added to my whole program a mental, emotional, spiritual component that help people to start to look at. Just like you have toxicity in your body, what toxicity do you have in your mind and your emotions that we need to look at and get rid of? Yeah. Um, just like you have, you need to have adequate nutrition in your body for your cells to build and function properly, what support do we need for your mental, emotional, spiritual self to get where you need to be? And to me, hormones are like the, they are the communicators in your body. It's like your wireless internet, and that is your spiritual connection. Mm. And so I help people start looking at what is your spiritual connection. And I always have to say, now I'm not talking about religion, just spirituality, your connection to something greater than yourself. And so it's huge. In, your mental, emotional, spiritual life is huge in terms of creating optimum health. One, because these directly affect your cortisol, your stress hormone. Thoughts are things. They do affect your health directly through your cortisol, and that can be measured. Um, but also because your, your thoughts, feelings, beliefs will determine what you will or won't do for your health, what you will or won't do for yourself, how much you will love and tend 
to yourself, nurture yourself, and how willing you are to stick with a program. And when I find these people who get these amazing results and then they fall off, that's the conversation we start having. Why do you think there's that resistance? Why, why do people have resistance to this stuff? You know? To recognizing that, that their health involves their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs? Just the, the, I just, I find it so crazy. I guess it's just that people, when they know that there's another option to get healthy and the one that's not working or the one they're involved in isn't working, like why is there resistance to this, this sort of world of the functional medicine or like the, the, the spiritual side of things, the meditation, there's just so many people that won't buy into it. We are becoming more aware now of society, but I mean, even 10 years ago, functional medicine and all that, I didn't hear about this stuff until right. the last, I don't know, I've I really, the last six, seven years, I started to hear about it a lot, right? But like, mm -hmm. it's just, it boggles my mind that there's this resistance from people. And I guess it comes from how they're raised and what they've been told. And you put your faith in your doctor and he says this and, well, he said that, so that, or she said that, it must be the way, right? So they believe that. And I guess that's, that's, that's normal for, for people to have that, right? Well, I think it's like 500 years ago when everybody thought the earth was flat. Yeah. <laughs> and they would be like, oh, I'm going to sail out in the ocean. And they'd be like, oh, no, don't go too far. You're going to fall off the edge of the earth. Is that, right? what they actually, so, is that what they actually thought? Is that what this... That's what they believed is that's that insane. the earth was flat. And you'll see these pictures that they had of the ocean falling off. <laughs> 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 and, and the ship would like fall off. It's they crazy. literally believed that because that's all they could see, yeah. that that was reality. Right. And, and it's the same situation now is that we've, everyone who's alive at this point in time pretty much has been raised in this paradigm of disease is something that happens to you that's out of your control and the doctor is the one who fixes you and anything else is wacko. And we've, we've come into the scientific age, right? Of double blind placebo controlled trials. And so really medicine has become a religion. Yeah. The way we practice medicine, we only believe in double blind placebo controlled trials. Never mind the fact that every double-blind placebo-controlled trial has at its core an element of spirituality and mysticism because it's against a placebo. And what is the placebo effect? The fact is that if someone takes a sugar pill, if they believe it's going to help them, it will help them, which is the basic tenet of spirituality, right? Yeah. yeah. And so science totally ignores like we've got this double blind placebo controlled trial sh shit going, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the double blind placebo control is based on comparing to this scientific fact that people's beliefs affect their outcomes, but we're going to forget that that's really a thing. Mm, right yeah and so it, it's it's really insane and so that's why i think there's so much resistance is that medicine has become a religion um 
that only believes in what it can see. It, it has neglected the field of quantum physics and quantum particles and, you know, Higgs boson particles and all that Bruce Lipton talks about and Joe Dispenza and all these guys where thoughts are things and they do create um, in, in this dimension and they do affect our health. Um, so even though the fact that our medical system treatments are based on comparison to the mystical, we're going to ignore the mystical. And so we're trained into that. Mm -hmm. And so I think people have a little bit of contempt prior to investigation um, where they don't, uh, they're not willing to look into it. I think it's scary for people. I think there have been some people out there who maybe have missed, used a uh, power that they've had and, and maybe have hurt people and haven't been legitimate. I also think that because, so for instance, functional medicine is not a recognized board specialty yet, even though you can become board certified. But that means that anybody can say that they're a functional medicine specialist, really. Right. Yeah. And that means that I've seen some functional medicine specialists, right? Mm who they really don't know much about functional medicine, but they know how to write a bioidentical hormone prescription because they read about it in a book. Mm. And so they will write prescriptions, but they really don't practice functional medicine. They haven't taken a fellowship. Mm. So I think when you have this disparity in um, knowledge levels and abilities, you, you get some patients getting not great outcomes and then everyone says, oh, well, functional medicine isn't great. So then you get some skepticism. But you know, emergency medicine wasn't a board certified specialty until for 35 years after it was created. Wow. So sometimes these things take, take time and it's very political. Um, and you know, medicine is really run by pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies and employers, corporations. Um, And they really have a foothold in that we've all been kind of brainwashed that this is what medical care is. And so anything that's different threatens the way that we believe the world works. And so I think people get upset about that and have resistance. It's great to hear somebody like yourself who is an actual doctor who actually had been through, you know, because, well, I mean, there's a lot of people who are very educated and smart and, and, you know, say the same thing, but it's nice when an actual doctor has gone through the whole process and switched over. It's, it's like, you know, that's what people need to hear. Some people need that assurance, like, oh, an actual, you know, uh, an MD went through this and then mm-hmm. they, you know. So it's really important, and, and it's 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 great to hear because it's uh, it opens up a lot of a lot of people's eyes, you know. Like there's there's more to it than what we've been taught, you know. Like it's and, and hearing this yeah. and hearing what you've been able to overcome as well in your own life. Sometimes, you know, it's 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 more it's easier to relate with somebody that's actually overcome something in their own life and then can teach it to others, right? So like you've done. So it's 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 amazing. Well, thank you. Um, you know, they say that your pain becomes your purpose. And I, I don't believe I went through all of that for nothing. I mean, now when I look back on my life, it all makes sense, right? Um, that I had to go through those health challenges, um, in order to find a better way, because I really believe that I was meant to do that, to teach this to others, because I, I don't think it's, 
a coincidence that I was raised by what we, we used to call our granola Jerry, my mom, right? I was raised in a culture where my mom really believed in natural treatments. Um, and then I rejected that, thought I knew better, had health problems, but what was it? I had to see that the medicine I knew didn't work. Yeah. And then I had to learn for myself. And my mother never said, I told you so. She could have. Um, but I had to go for full circle. And I really believe that um, part of the reason I was put on this earth is to go through all of that to help evolve the healthcare system. Um, it doesn't make me popular sometimes around other physicians or medical community to say some of the things that I say. Uh, but I'm ultimately a truth seeker and a truth teller. And so I have to speak, tr give voice to what I know to be true. Um, and it's funny because when you're in it, when you're in residency and you're practicing this type of medicine, you, you buy into it wholly. I call it a form of brainwashing. You really believe that this is the only way. And I would see functional practitioners. There was one in our town when I used to practice OBGYN and we would all talk about him behind his back and make fun of him, right? Without investigating what he did. We just say, oh, he's a quack and all this stuff. That's crazy. Um, and now I speak at his conference. He has an <laughs> annual conference. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, when you know better, you do better, Oprah says. That's my favorite thing that she says. And so now that once you get out of it, you see it. But it's interesting. All of the practitioners who practice this type of medicine who we, you see at the conferences, they all had a health challenge that was not solved by mainstream medicine, or they have a loved one or family member who had a health challenge that wasn't solved. And they went seeking elsewhere and they found this. Mm. So it doesn't come without pain. You know, some of us can learn, what does Michael Beckwith say? Pain will push you until your vision pulls you. Oh yeah, that's a good saying. Right, so most of us were pushed here by pain but then we get the vision of what it could be like for all of us. And we see how people are suffering with their health and we know that they don't have to. And so most of us become pulled by our vision and want to share that vision. I love it. Where, where can we, where can we find you and check out all your, uh, all your good stuff and, and is, are you on all over social media? Or oh, anything? Yeah. Yeah. So my website is Kieran Dunstan MD and that's K Y. R-I-N, Dunstan, D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. And that's all my social media. Facebook is Kieran Dunstan, MD. Insta, Kieran Dunstan, MD. YouTube, I've got some nice uh, YouTube videos. Uh, and my podcast, Her Brilliant Health, is on there. Yeah. And then um, also a lot of tools that people can use. Fantastic. Well, what you're doing is very, very important. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, dropping so much value because this is, this is fantastic. Oh, well, thank you, Lance. <laughs> I, I've been listening to the episodes. I absolutely love them. You, you get to the heart of it and really, I think, help people to see that they're not alone in suffering challenges and having to overcome adversity. Uh, in their lives. We, we all go through it and, and it really is the touchstone of growth. Thank you. I appreciate it. And being able for me to be able to talk and have a conversation with somebody so highly educated like yourself, it just, I, I just learned so much. And sometimes I go, how do I even talking to this person? They're so much further ahead in, you know, 
life experience and education, but then, you know, it's, it's amazing how humble so many people are as well, like yourself. It's like, and I just learn, I learn so much and I'm just so, I feel so blessed to be able to have these conversations, right? Because um, a lot of people are just like me. They're kind of, they're curious. They want to figure the best way out and, you know, and to be able to hear these kind of stories, you know, that's how I learned. I learned through podcasting and I learned through inspiration and, and that, and that's what got me to where I am today. So it's, well, I, I think it's awesome the, the the dialogue that you're having with people, really, you're so far ahead of where my generation was at your age. Um, you know, these are the conversations I'm having now. And it's funny because still a lot of people in my generation don't have them. But I think that the generations that are coming in are way more in touch with their thoughts and feelings and really get it that they don't want to buy into somebody else's idea of what their life should look like. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they really want to create something different. And so I, I hear that in your conversations that you have with people on the podcast and it just really, it really, uh, it makes me really happy. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I, um, I always wrap it up with the one, one last question. And out of all the challenges and adversity you've gone through, what is the one main lesson that adversity has taught you? Just keep going, pick it up and keep going. But that's one lesson. <laughs> but also you may see the adversity as being bad, but it is the stimulus that makes you grow in the way that you need to grow. Um, so I'd say that that's the lesson and, and <laughs> keep up, keep going. Awesome. I, I love that okay. question because every single person has a different answer. You know, I've done like 150 episodes <laughs> and it's like every, I go, I always think is someone going to say the same thing and it's always different. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how everyone's got their, their, their perspective. Yes. Right. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. We'll have everything in the show notes for everybody to check you out and truly, Great. truly appreciate it. Thank you, Lance. It was, it was wonderful to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Kieran Dunstan, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Please subscribe. Leave us a review if you got value. Share this with a friend if they, you think they need to hear it. Let's grow this, baby. Let's get to number one. Let's get to number one in Canada for self-growth, personal help, a personal development, all that stuff. It's super important to be able to hit that mark so that we can continue to grow and be the best because we are the best here at University of Adversity. We are the best at inspiring people showing the vulnerabilities of people and allowing them to discover their truth. And I could not do this without you guys. Love you guys. I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.